Blog Talk Radio. Hello everybody, my name is Boss Rutten. Hi, this is Diego Lima. This is Rodrigo Comprido and you listen. And you guys are listening. So you are listening to the Verbal Submission. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Verbal Submission. It is our 205th episode. I'm your host, Brian Hemminger, joined today by apparently none of my co-hosts. Richard had to stay a little bit late at work, and I think uh, Jerry is either running a little bit late or he might not be able to make it either. But thankfully, we'll be joined momentarily by Tony Sims. He's fighting this weekend at UFC Saskatoon against Olivier Aubin-Mercier. So that'll be very exciting, UFC lightweight. And then joining us from Australia, it's not even 9 o'clock a.m. over there, but she'll be dialing in on Skype. Arlene Angerfist Blenko will be joining us at about 7 o'clock p.m. She is actually stepping up and fighting Marlos Kunin in Bellator 141. That is a huge women's featherweight fight probably number one contender on the line for uh, the Bellator featherweight title. So very excited to speak to Arlene about this uh, tremendous opportunity she has in front of her. And uh, that'll be it for the the guest today. And this might end up being a, a bit of a shorter show, but thankfully, keeping me from flying solo, my man, Jerry Rodriguez, is here to uh, save the day a little bit. Jerry, how you doing, man? It is brutal here in Boston, man. The weather brutal? sucks. <laughs> it's too well, hot. Hey, I live right off the lake in Ohio, and Ohio is usually either you know ninety degrees or ten below. I mean, there's really not a happy medium. Well, I was in Maine earlier today, so maybe it's just Maine that sucks. I was there the whole day, and it was like ninety degrees. It was just fucking hot, no shade at all, brutal. What were you doing in Maine? Uh, just spending some time with the family. Ah. Went up to uh, to a gunkwit head breakfast and then took the kids to the zoo. I'm exhausted and burnt. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to call in, especially because uh, Richard decided to slack tonight. <laughs> now, good old Richard. He's, he's following after uh, his predecessor, Ben Thapa. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well... Uh, well, this is an MMA show, so is there anything going on in the world of mixed martial arts that you want to talk about? Because we didn't really have an event last weekend. There was one CES 30 show that was on um, it was on Axis TV, and they did have it in Rhode Island, like kind of your area. Did you know anything about that? I mean, that's where uh, a couple former guests are from, like uh, Rob Font. He fought there before hopping on over to the UFC, so... Did you watch it or anything? You know, I, I try not to watch those guys or support them. Um, one of the guys that runs the show, I, I know of them. Um, I tried getting some fighters for the show, and the guy thought I was trying to charge him. I, I just don't think he understands promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was trying to get some fighters for the show, and he was just an asshole. So, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't support them. I try not to watch them. It's the... Uh, 
organization that gave us Batista versus some guy off a bar stool. Um, yeah, hey, that's yeah. a classic. Oh Jesus! I mean, it, it's no wonder the guy never fought again, right? <laughs> hey, he uh, won. <laughs> he should have. I mean, I think I could have beaten up that guy. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I I you know the good thing about Axis is they're going to have an event every pretty much every Friday. And now I know this is MMA, but uh, what is it? Uh, Premier PBC, Premier Boxing Championships. It's like they're on every single network on either Friday or Saturday. And I did watch uh, Antonio Tarver versus Cunningham. A uh, bit of a snooze fest, but hey, you know. Yeah. Well, two guys hit each other, and that's what I like. I want to hear your thoughts on uh, Tarver Cunningham while I go get a. Uh... Tony Sims on the line. Sound good? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, all right. Let's cut right to the chase. I mean, it, it was two, what, 39, um, winded at the end of the bow, just kind of trying to give it all they have. None of these guys are going to probably uh, win a title. I think Tarver is trying uh, to work his way back to a title shot and be the oldest guy to win a, a championship, but I, I just don't see it. It was uh, a a split draw. Um, so it, w- it was a bit brutal. Uh, I think Brian's uh, Skype just crashed, so he's going to be calling us in a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, uh, but you know what? It's entertainment. It's uh, it's fighting. It gives us something to watch while we wait for an MMA event. Uh, not a lot of news in MMA this week, but... Uh, a bit of a major uh, news Josh Thompson signing with Bellator UFC says they cut him he says he signed uh, or he refused to resign because uh, of the money and the sponsorship so uh, you know two sides to a story there Dana White has been known to make shit up so I'm gonna I'm gonna believe Josh on this one uh, I don't see why they wouldn't want to keep a guy like him. He puts on entertaining entertaining fights. Uh, I think he lost two very close split decision calls. Bobby Green, and I think it might have been Ben Henderson, um, and he got jobbed out of a, out of a title shot. So, uh, you know, he had a rough go there, a rough go. But uh, other than that, man, not a lot of uh, news out there, folks. Uh the saga of Ronda Rousey and Cyborg uh, never ending. Um, I don't know. It's it's interesting to me that uh, you know both sides are playing this this game of uh, you know you have to make way. Well, you know, Ronda's saying you have to make way, uh, and then come see me. And uh, Cyborg is saying I'm ready to to make the 135 division um, and. Apparently, they offered her the fight. Dana says they never did. Cyborg, Tito have been going uh, on Twitter and claiming that uh, that they have. So, oh boy, that's, that's oh some boy. good. I, I, yeah, I that's got some good radio. <laughs> <laughs> I had to restart my computer. Oh, come man. on, man. So how long? How long were we silent? I hope like it was probably two minutes, man. I I got I was going, and then all of a sudden I saw that. Did uh, you see my message? Okay. Yeah, I did, and then all of a sudden. All right. I, I went dead. Okay. 
Well, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to call Tony live on the air. We're just not okay. going to waste any time. All right. Let's just get Tony on here right right the heck now. <laughs> oh, man. What a disaster. Too much, too much porn on your computer. No, that this is my work computer, not my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get him on here. The other guy was at uh, Oddbreaker. Thank you. Yeah. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey Tony, welcome to the verbal submission, man. How are you guys? Oh, I'm absolutely fantastic. Jerry, how you doing? I'm great. All right. Good. Yeah, Good we had guys. some technical difficulties. Uh, we host this show through Skype on the studio, and my Skype uh, crashed. So we had like a minute and a half, two minutes of dead air. It was awful. <laughs> okay, it would have been worse if you guys would have Skyped. Type me in. Yeah, because then you've just been sitting there by yourself for two minutes. It's, Hello? Hey? How you guys doing? No, I, if I'm on camera, I'm going to probably throw up. Oh. Get too, ner- get too nervous in front of the camera. Oh, really? How are you able to fight awesome. in front of a million people? I just pretend they're not there. <laughs> well, that's actually uh, a really good thing because uh, you definitely stepped up in that uh, last performance, but I want to go back all the way to the Drew Dober fight because I do this show called this premium odds cast where we do betting previews and we do a lot of research on guys that are making their UFC debuts. And when I was doing my research on Drew Dober, I went and watched his fight against Tony Sims and I I came away from that fight going, what the heck? Tony Sims should have won that fight. He should have been in the UFC two years ago. Um, What a load of crap. And, I just want to go all the way back to that fight. You know, did did you feel, you know, that you had that fight in the bag that the judges just got it wrong? No, I definitely I definitely thought I won the fight. I uh I thought the first round was a ten eight round, but uh yeah. I broke I broke my hand uh after I knocked him down the second time and then uh I knocked him down again with a broken hand and I realized it was broken. Uh, so uh yeah, I, I thought I won the fight. I thought I did enough. I had to fight through quite a bit of stuff to, to finish the fight, but uh, yeah, I was I was pretty bummed about that one. Now, I know you're a guy that's wanted to be in the UFC for a while. You felt you had the ability and the skills to be in the UFC for a while. Was that kind of a you know almost a dream crusher type of experience where you know you felt you had it right there in front of you and you know it just got taken out of your clutches by some judges? No, I when I'm you know I had to what, I, what did I fight three times after that on um, mm-hmm. the local scene. So those fights it sure did, but now that I'm in the UFC, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's I don't I don't think about it anymore. Well, that's terrific. Now uh, we're gonna just go right through the line then, and we're gonna talk about that UFC debut. I mean, you went in there, bumped up a weight class, faced a guy that's huge in the division in Steve Montgomery. And it was on eight days' notice. Now, do you feel like those eight days actually was a slight advantage for you because you didn't have to cut a ton of weight and you were able to just go in there and fight your fight and you weren't fighting the scale like like uh, Steve was? No, I don't fight the. I mean, I don't cut a lot of weight to make one fifty five. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think weight cutting is is uh, 
is the biggest advantage, but uh, he had a full fight camp. I know that going into yeah. it, and uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I, I was. I, I'm always training. I train year round, but I had taken a little bit of time off in there. Uh, so I, I, I certainly felt like uh, I had a lot of things stacked against me. But uh, when you're when you're in the gym year round and you're mentally ready, I, I think uh, you know. I, I was just really happy to get the opportunity. Well, I'm definitely glad you got that opportunity. And during the fight, you actually got hit pretty hard uh, early on, or not early on, maybe about about 30 seconds before you ended up finishing him. And you know, I, I doing all my film study, I don't remember if I ever saw you get rocked like that before. So was that just a unique experience of overcoming adversity? Because you, know, you got hit, you recovered, you avoided him, you know, pressing forward, and then you just fired right back yeah and uh i don't know that i've been i've been uh, hurt hurt in a fight before that i I try to not get hit as much as i possibly can Uh, but i think really you know i think the him landing that kind of settled me down a little bit um he was so much bigger and uh, i was just really struggling to find find out how to get inside um he was doing a really good job of keeping distance from me and uh after the knee, I felt like I saw something that I could uh, take advantage of, and, and I was lucky to be able to uh, to just believe in it and land the punch that I did. Well, you definitely landed a, a good punch there because it resulted in a, a pretty impressive first-round finish. Now, now that you've gone gotten that out of the way, you know the whole fight the UFC on short notice, the jitters, all that stuff. You know, do you feel does all, that just give you a whole lot there, of? I'll, I don't. I don't think I didn't have any jitters. I, I wasn't yeah. at all. But does that just give you that much extra confidence dropping back down to to lightweight? You know where you're more comfortable. No, I don't think it affects my confidence. Uh, like you said, I really felt like I belonged in the UFC a long time ago, and mm-hmm. uh, I've really been confident in in my ability to to kind of get through the division and get start fighting some of the better names. So um, that's the ultimate goal. And, you know, I got to fight everybody. That, if, they, if they give me uh, any opportunities, I got to I gotta make sure I'm ready to, to capitalize on them. Oh, definitely. Now, they're not, uh, you know, giving you any slouches here either in your lightweight debut. You're taking on uh, Olivier Aubin-Mercier. You know, he's a guy that has a lot of hype behind him from Canada. He was a finalist on that uh Ultimate Fighter season, uh, the Canada against Australia, and and he's looked really impressive in his UFC fight so far. He's getting better and better every time we've seen him. So, you know, how do you kind of feel you match up against this guy? Um, I think it's a good matchup. I think uh, he's he's got some really good skills, and um, I have to I may have to make sure I respect him, but also not give them too much. Uh, too much respect that I don't go and, and do what I normally do. I got, you know, throw hard punches and, and defend takedowns and, and control the the pace of the fight with my takedown. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. Now, do you feel like you know this is the type of fight that could give you a, an opportunity to leapfrog a whole lot of people? Because most guys, when they debut in a division, they're getting you know a, a tune-up fight almost against somebody near the bottom, but. Mercier is probably a top 25 lightweight in a division that has like 
90 to 100 guys. So, I mean, this would put you right in the thick of things if you go out there and, and take care of business like you think you can. Yeah, I don't know who does the, the rankings or if he's ranked I do. that high. Or, uh, <laughs> so, uh, I, it doesn't matter, you know, if you, if you believe that you can beat anybody in the world, then, then it doesn't matter that you're fighting this time around. And I don't know mm-hmm. that I'm going to leapfrog anybody, and I don't, I, don't, I don't even, it doesn't even matter to me. I'm willing to earn earn my way and um, fight whoever I have to fight to, to make people believe that I'm one of the top contenders. Oh, definitely. Now, I'm actually one of those guys that uh, helps with the, the media rankings. So, you know, you go out there and take your business, you might you might see yourself on the list. <laughs> well, why are, why are you guys having me as uh, the number something, whatever, welterweight? Why uh, don't I was we? Great. I don't, somebody sent me a message that said I was uh, number 99 ranked welterweight in the world or something like that. Uh, well, I'm not a part of that one. Uh, the I'm in oh, the okay. UFC one where you know when they post the ranking right before they step in the cage, that only shows up to top fifteen though. Oh, right on. So I I can't tell you how they have them for that one, but I would think you would have been higher than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in due time. Yeah, definitely. Now I want to go back, and uh, since this is your first appearance on the show, I want to you know, do a little bit of a. Uh, Q&A session, just uh, getting to know you a little bit better. You you started with something that I didn't know about, but I'm very interested in. You talked about how if this was like a, a video interview, you know, you'd be freaking out and throwing up. So when did you kind of get the the stage fright for the camera a little bit? You know, when did you realize that? Uh, I, I was just giving you a hard time. I don't know uh, that I have stage fright. Um, I think I'm. I think I handle myself fairly well in front of the in front of the cameras in front of front of you guys and you're asking me questions. <laughs> okay, just checking. Now, uh, doing my research, you know, I saw you posted there was a really interesting article written about you fighting for the, the memory of your brother. You know, is that something, you know, if you go out there and you score a, an emphatic victory, would you go out and dedicate your win to, to your brother with uh, Joe Rogan? Um, I always, uh, and I don't know if you caught my, my interview, uh, mm-hmm. I definitely dedicated the, my uh, a goal and uh, the promise to my brother and family was that I would I would uh, see this through to getting it to the UFC and his honor. Uh, it was really because of him that I started this whole journey, anyways. And uh, so, certainly, all of my UFC fights will be in honor of my brother. Well, that's that's really great to hear. Yeah, I did read the article. I got to see the whole part about how you, know, you were stopping athletics, and and he sent you a, a letter saying, you know, don't give up. You know, I want you to to focus on that. You still got all the talent in the world, and and look where you are now. So he was definitely right. Yeah, he uh, he. There's a lot of things that I did that he he pushed me and, and directed me to do that. And uh, I might not have otherwise. I, I wouldn't have probably wrestled if it wasn't for him. And um, I certainly wouldn't have wouldn't have been fighting full time. Mm-hmm. Now, how long have you been fighting full time? Because most guys, when they make their UFC debuts, they're still kind of balancing a, a side job. So, you know, when did you decide to to make the transition? Well, I I have a I work full time and I own my mm-hmm. I own my own business as well. So you're busy. And, uh, so I. <laughs> 
I fight both, but I fight and train full time year round. So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't, I prefer to work and stay busy. So, so what's the uh, other business? I, I'm a, a salesman for an, uh, an oil and gas service company, directional drilling company. Oh wow, that's probably uh, pretty lucrative. So you don't have to worry about uh, having to sell a whole bottle of Reebok shirts. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't, uh, I don't know that I'll sell. But I'll sell. I'll call Tony Sim shirt. <laughs> I saw your mom bought one, so you you got one fan at least, right? <laughs> I, you know, some people have bought them. Uh, my mom will buy anything that says my name on it. She'll oh, she won't even still pay for the price. She'd be happy to. <laughs> Yeah, you should. Uh, yeah, you you should you should come out with a special Tony Sim shirt. I'm sure that there's there's a lot of fighters that have been doing that lately. You know, trying to to get around the whole uh, trying to have it to sell hundred dollar Reebok shirts to their fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I'm coming out with them. I'll get them uh, I'll get them online here in two weeks. Oh, awesome! Now, uh, there's a couple specific questions I always like to ask our our first time guests. So the first one is. You know what? What do you like to do for free when you have free time? When there's nothing left to do, what do you do to just chill out? Uh, well, my my girlfriend is with me right now. We're in the we're in the car. Uh, we like to. We just went to a Rockies game. Sunday, Sunday, and uh, I don't have anything in particular. Just just like to stay busy and then uh, relax at the house. We're kind of homebodies. Pretty boring life that we live. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with boring. It's uh, actually, you know, pretty. It's sometimes being boring is good. Now, uh, um, so uh, second thing is, you know, are you into computers or something? Where did the the Tony 2.0 nickname come from? Um, I don't know that I want to keep that nickname. Um, <laughs> It was really given to me by one of my coaches, yeah. and uh, you know, there was a lot of talk of when I fought through Dover that uh, the winner would go to the UFC, and uh, after the fight, you know, after I'd lost and I'd broken my hand, uh, I broke I actually broke my hand a couple times that year, which was three tough year for me. Um, but they they gave me the name, and you know, you lost, you get it over with, and you come back as a better version of yourself. And, uh, that's where the 2.0 came in, but. Um, I, I don't know that I have a nickname or that I, that I want one. All right. Well, my co-host here has a, a question or two for you. So, uh, Jerry, take it away. Yeah. This is going to be your first fight with the uh, under the Reebok deal. Uh, how does what you're going to get now compared to what you got for sponsor money uh, on your first UFC fight? It'll be less for... Um, you know, we had, we made more money uh, on a week's notice, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain about things that are out of my control. Um, you, I think there's good and bad to the Reebok deal, and um, you know, I think if if guys are, you know, they made a lot of money in sponsors and uh, and all of that, I can understand where they're coming from. But um, I'll just work under the guidelines that they allow me to and make the most out of it. Try to be creative on how to get. Um, guys to to sponsor me in different ways outside of the UFC. Do you find that it's harder to find sponsors now um, 
than before. Uh, you can still get sponsors as long as it's not leading up to the whole fight, right? So you can still get people that want to endorse well, you. Get, you. Yeah, just you just got to figure out how to sell yourself in a different way. And uh, I've got some ideas, and if you're creative enough to think of ways to get guys to buy in, then um, then it shouldn't be a problem. But I don't I don't necessarily like the the I don't know if I like the jersey and all that stuff, but um, I think the Reebok deal is is really a positive thing um, in a way. It's just it's hard, you know, because guys want to make more money. Everybody does. How much input do they actually give you in coming up with your your kit? Uh, say that again. How much input do they actually give you in in designing your kit or or coming up with the colors? Well, I was uh, they didn't give me any put any input. I I I was uh, not even in the UFC when they when they designed that. So they had they had meetings and they they asked for a lot of feedback from fighters and. Um, they made some changes based on that feedback, but I, I, you know what? It doesn't I mean it doesn't matter. You just go fight. At, at the end of the day, you put on a good performance. No one's talking about rebound. I, I thought I was mistaken. I thought that they were going to give fighters the ability, so leading up to a fight, they would have some say in in what type of you know uniform you'd wear. But uh, so it doesn't sound not, like not at all. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Um, but yeah, essentially, you get to pick. The higher-ranked fighter gets to pick the scheme that they want, whether it be a, a white or a black or dark scheme. And then I think that there's some freedom to pick a variation on that, but you, you essentially get what you get. Um, but that, that it, you know. What parts of the deal do you think are are positive? You said there's some things that are good, some that aren't. What are what are the the pieces there that you you really like? Well, it keeps. You know, it keeps some of the some of the sponsors out of it that are maybe detrimental to the amateur of the UFC. You know, guys with uh, different stuff on their on their uh, shorts. Uh, and I think it just gives a more professional a, a more professional image to the UFC, where it's not just uh, a bunch of a bunch of uh, logos on a guy's shorts. It's a it's a it's uniform and. Um, you know, in the professional world, I think a lot of people are upheld to hold to wear a uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Well, I, I hate to cut the interview a little bit short, but because of the technical difficulties, we kind of got to move on to uh, the next interview here soon. So I got a couple last things I wanted to go over with you, Tony, and then we'll send you on your way. Um, first things first. How do you get into character? Because you know you're a pretty relaxed, easygoing guy talking to you all over the phone. So how do you turn into that, you know, vicious killer when it's time to, to actually the cage doors close? I that's a, I don't know how to answer that. I just do I just do it. I've been doing this since I was really young. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't really get that I mean if you looked at me in the back room before my fight, probably see the same the same uh guy that you see now. Uh, but I, I certainly uh certainly want to I want to finish fights, and uh, I want to do as much damage every second of the fight that I can. That's just the way that I was uh, I was almost raised to, to fight, and I, I enjoy it. And uh, I think it's just a big part of who I am. Oh, excellent. And uh, last but not least, when you're kind of 
picturing victory on Sunday night? You know, how do you kind of see yourself winning against uh, Mercier? You know, how are you visualizing success? Uh, I, I do visualize a lot, and uh, I I see myself uh, I, I see myself wearing him down on the feet, and uh, I don't know that. I don't know that uh, they'll force takedowns or, or what their game plan is going to be, but uh, you know, I, I I hit hard and I'm very accurate, and I think that uh, for for him he's going to want to take me to the ground, and uh, I'm not going to let him, and I'm going to continue to open open up with my strikes and, and finish him on the feet. Uh, excellent. And uh, last but not least, do you have any uh, shout outs, trainers, sponsors, anybody that helped you along the way? Uh, the floor is yours, Tony. Uh, yeah, I just my team, Elevation Fight Team. I think uh we've got got one of the stronger teams in the country and we're growing. And uh we've got great coaches, Lisa Bowling, Christian Allen and Elliot Marshall. And then uh, I I also uh work with Dwayne Ludwig, who's a great coach. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, those are the big ones that I'd like to thank right now. All right, excellent. Well thank you so much for stopping by the show, Tony. We really appreciate it. And best of luck against uh, Olivier Aubin Mercier next Sunday night for UFC Fight Night Saskatoon. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. You have a terrific rest of your day, Tony. You too. All right. Bye. All right. That was Tony Sims. He's fighting this upcoming Sunday. Really appreciate him stopping by the show. And no rest for the weary. We are moving right on to our next interview. She has been patiently waiting in on the the side, um, so uh, Arlene Blenko, I believe. Well, first let's make sure. Is this Arlene Blenko? Hi there. How are you? Oh, we're Hello. wonderful. Thank you so much for stopping by the show, Arlene. I love talking no to Australian fighters. They're so nice. It turns them on. <laughs> it turns I love them the on. accent. <laughs> like. No, like the first time I went to Vegas, I hung out with like random Australian guys like for like two straight days. They were the coolest people on the planet. They're like the most fun people to hang out with internationally. So See, I actually thought that about the Americans. I was like lo- loving the accent and um, everyone was loving mine and my um, trainers because he's um New Zealander. So he's got the Kiwi accent. So they were all like, uh-huh. you know, just listening to every word coming out of our mouth. And I was doing the same thing to everyone I spoke to over there. <laughs> See that we need to do a trade. We'll just trade Americans for <laughs> Australians, and everybody will be happy. <laughs> now, um, you have a monstrous, monstrous fight coming up against Marlos Kunin. I mean, that is huge in my opinion. Like clear-cut yeah. number one contender fight, probably fights Julia Budd for the title. I mean, what were, what was your reaction when Bellator went, "Hey, you know, you want you want to fight Marlos Kunin? You know, one of the greatest women's fighters of all time. You know, how how would you like that?" Um, oh, I was excited for it definitely. Um, I knew once I signed to Bellator that I was taking, I was obviously stepping up into the international level, so that meant fighting the best in the world. So, yeah, it's definitely a career change, a huge opportunity, and I'm taking it with both hands. Um, training extremely hard, like I always do, and yeah. Hopefully, and, yeah, next week I'll um, be taking that number two spot off. <laughs> oh, I think that would be super impressive if you pull it off. And you know, you it's not like this is your first opportunity in Bellator. I mean, you fought already once earlier this year, got a first-round TKO of Adriana Jenkins, 
and looked great. So, you know, how did it feel to get that international experience and uh, to come over to the to the U.S. and and get that win under your belt? Did that give you that extra bit of confidence heading into this one? Um, well, I walk into every fight confident. Like I get, I get the mm-hmm. best training here in Australia. I've got um, amazing training partners. I train full time um, and give it absolutely everything. So, um, yeah, it was good to get, I guess, that, that first fight out of the way. So, um, and and experience what it's like to fight in a Bellator cage and and meet everyone over there and 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 see how it all works. So, um, yeah, it's all, it was a really good opportunity um, and preparation, I guess, for this this fight being so big. Oh, definitely, and and you made the transition from boxing to mixed martial arts, and you were a, a champion level fighter in boxing, and and then you switched over to to MMA, and you had I think seven fights in your first year professionally in MMA. So yeah, you know, was yeah, that just a in like huge a five crazy? Period. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just a was that just a huge crazy learning experience for you because you know, you picked up some losses along oh. the way, but it feels like you know you, something clicked. Yeah, well, that's it. That's what I mean. In 2013, when I did decide to make the transition, like in January of 2013, I'd never even had like a rolling session or done any wrestling or anything. So, and then I had my debut in April. So, I mean, with four months' experience, so I guess you can only learn so much in that time. And um, a lot of the girls that I was fighting came from a jiu-jitsu wrestling background. So striking was definitely my strength. But I mean, um, that that five months where I picked up those losses. Um, I, I, I learned as much as I could, obviously, to try and um, you know, change areas where I was um, losing the fights. But, yeah, definitely when it came... By the time September came, um, something had clicked and I'd managed to um, sort of put my striking into a better play that um, suits MMA rather than just the boxing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, if that sort of makes sense, I guess. And, um, yeah, I guess it's all... And since then, I've changed gyms as well and, and focused on a lot of the areas that... Um, that aren't my strengths. So, yeah, definitely see that I'm a, a different fighter now from the one that started off. But, um, yeah, more well-rounded. So excited for this one coming up. Now, considering your transition from a striking sport where you didn't have a lot of familiarity with the ground, how satisfying was it to pick up that first career submission against a manga Kahaya? Um, yeah, um, that was Pretty, pretty um, exciting stuff. I guess a striker pulling off a submission like that. Um, I was pretty happy with it. I, there was actually another fight um, in September where I was actually looking for the dust choke and, and, and nearly sort of got it, but that would have been pretty cool. Um, my goal in MMA, I guess, is to be known for more than just my striking. Um, I've worked mm-hmm. extremely hard in my wrestling and, and my BJJ um become a more well-rounded fighter so obviously I'm going to go with my strengths I'm not going to complain with the fights that I've um, finished with my hands and and my striking but um, yeah I'm I'm a fighter that adapts and and trains extremely hard to to become well-rounded so um, yeah that first one that first one was pretty good considering I mean back then I hadn't I didn't have the level of training that I have now the last 12 months um, I've changed gyms and and moved down to Sydney and become a more full-time professional athlete and um yeah, it's definitely showing in the gym, and um, I guess with my debut in May on Bellator, it showed as well. Oh, it definitely did. Now, you're you went out and picked up a, a revenge win about a year ago. You know, Faith Van Duin had won a split decision against you. I don't know if you feel you, it should have gone the other way or not, but then you went out there 
and won decisively with a third round knockout. So, you know, you've kind of got that experience too. How did it feel to, to, to kind of avenge one of those uh, losses? Um, well, it's always good to um, to get that win back after a loss. Um, Fate and I had actually faced each other the first time after an eliminator fight night, so it was actually the third time that I'd fought in that night. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, to lose, lose to her by split decision, um, you know, after already fighting twice that night, I was um, just remember being absolutely exhausted. So it was good to face her um, fresh, and then um, obviously definitely to get that win. Now, are you the type that wants to go out there and avenge every loss? So, you know, have you called out Kyra Purcell for that for beating you in your first career fight, or are you past that? <laughs> um, yeah, no. Back back when I first started fighting, it was all about chasing revenge and stuff. Um, but I mean, I, I just have to be happy with with where my career has taken me. Um, obviously, losses teach you a lot more than you win. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's never nice to lose, but I take a lot from my losses, and it's it shaped me shaped me as a better fighter and a better person. Um, Kyra, Kyra and I are actually um, like in contact a fair bit on Facebook, and when I were uh, up at the Gold Coast and see her, like she's a, she's a lovely lady, and um, yeah, I guess I wouldn't like it. Yeah, no bad um, feelings with any of the people that I've lost to. Um, if anything, I thank them, you know, stepping in the ring with me or Cage, sorry, and and giving me the opportunity to have fights, um, and yeah, learn from them. Oh, wonderful. Now, I'm guessing that the Anger Fist nickname comes from the boxing background? Just throwing it um, out there? Yeah, yeah. well, from the boxing, it, it came when I was looking for a walkout song, um, Anger Fist Megamix. It was the beginning of the song that um, it really stuck, and I, I liked it. Um, I guess for boxing, the, the name Anger Fist kind of sent, didn't really stick in my amateur days. Like, I still had it, but um, it didn't really make sense until I became an MMA fighter because I mean obviously in boxing everybody's like you know got fists that's what they use that's, that's their only form of a weapon but now that I'm an MMA fighter as well um, you know my hands are my strengths and not that I'm an angry person by all means I guess in the cage is probably a different thing I might look a little bit scary or whatever but um, anger fist is definitely um, a name that suits my style Mm-hmm. Now I was going to say, you know, looking at every photo I could find of you in preparation, you know, we, we post a picture in our uh, stream of each person we interview, and I couldn't find one where you weren't smiling. I was like, she doesn't look like an anger fist. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've got, um, yeah, like, obviously I'm, I'm pretty switched on, and, and when I'm fighting, I, I take, and training, I, like, I take everything I do seriously, but, yeah, I'm always, when I, when I can laugh and smile, I definitely try to because I enjoy what I do I'm, I'm lucky to be one of the fighters that get to pursue like my dream and my career full-time like I train full-time um I, I am a personal trainer I've got clients that I, I work with but I'm, I'm in an industry and a job that I absolutely love and um I know a lot of my teammates who who have to work full-time jobs and you know juggle um that commitment as well as their families and and then they come to the gym and train and I just I look at all of them and think how lucky I've got it. So, yeah, I've got every reason. I've got two beautiful kids and, um, yeah, love my life. So there's no reason I shouldn't be smiling. Oh, wonderful. Now, um, you mentioned that, you know, you do uh, your training in Sydney and um, I've seen that you train at uh, the Tahuna Fight Gym. So is that with James Tahuna or is there just a lot of Tahunas out yep. there in Australia? No, okay. no, no, it's with James. James, yep. Um, that's so, yeah. So the MMA gym that I train out of um, is um, James Tahuna and um, Tama Tahuna's gym in St Mary's here in Sydney. 
Um, so my head coach is Damien, and um, yeah, so I'm lucky enough to train with like um, all them boys, massive amounts of knowledge, and um, and obviously James, um, being a UFC fighter, he's you know the big stage already, so he was able to sort of um, you know help me with what was to expect when I went overseas, and um, yeah, obviously his trainers as well have been over there, so um, yeah, it was good. Now. Bellator is not above having a little spectacle for their fights. And I I know James is one that loves having good walk-ins. Like he came out to, you know, a bunch of guys with sunglasses and suits. He came out for the fight once. <laughs> uh when he headlined, he had, you know, a bunch of dancers come out and do a war dance. You know, is is that rubbing off on you? Are you going to have something crazy for your walkout? Um no, I, I I did once before actually the time that I um I didn't have anything crazy, but um, yeah, I guess for my walkout, I'm a little bit more switched on um, and just yeah, focused on like what's ahead. I like to probably do something maybe for the weigh-in. Um, like I, for my last Bellator weigh-in, I had um, a Batman bikini that like all the little kids in the front row thought it was really cool and stuff. So um, yeah, I, I guess I'm not too much of a um, a, a show person. I kind of let my fighting and um, what I do in the cage um, entertain the fans. Um, yeah, who knows? Maybe um, once I win the title, um, yeah, I might become a little bit more of a show person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent, excellent. Now, <laughs> Jerry, he's the worst. My co-host is a dog. He said you should wear an invisible bikini next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was about oh, ten kids Jerry. in the front row, so I don't think <laughs> yeah. that would be very Come appropriate. On, Jerry. <laughs> Now, um, there are some, some your uh, manager, I believe, uh, Chris Vender, posted a very interesting um, little factoid about you, you know, just the little picture and then a whole bunch of little facts about you. And there's some things I need to ask. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, everything else is, is so, you know, it normal. You know, it says your team, your record, your birthday, when you debuted, your... Uh, you know your gym, uh, little facts about you being a you know a champion in boxing, and then all, out of nowhere, extreme fear of rodents. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> and right. I really hope that nobody starts to play a prank on me when I'm over there. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely no big tough fighter. When you see, I was actually in a pet shop um, yesterday and walked past. Um, not realizing, but to the to the left of me there was a, a tank with some mice, and I kind of went running out of the store. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure where it came about um, or how it came about, but yeah, I I just don't like rats or mice. They just send shivers up my spine. <laughs> well, unfortunately, what about like wallabies? Are those are those big enough and cuddly enough that it's okay? Yeah, yeah, they're okay. Like I just don't do guinea pigs or rabbits either. No, no, wallabies are okay because, I mean, kangaroos, um, yeah, I guess they're just like them. So, yeah, they're fine. But, um, yeah, the little running around rodent thingies. Can't do rabbits or guinea pigs either, so my children miss out there. They don't get to have All right. pets. <laughs> well, stay away from, like, the New York City sewers and you'll be fine. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I thought you were going to and actually say something about the um, the uh, Sweet Home Alabama and um, loving romantic comedies. <laughs> well, I was getting to that. I was getting to that. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> so yes, you are a giant romantic comedy lover. I I just thought that was a great yeah. uh combination too with, you know, Anger Fist Blenko, you know, all oh, action <laughs> all the time. Loves romantic comedies you know, and, and I, walks on the beach. I'm a big softy. Big softy. <laughs> hopeless romantic actually. But um yeah, I guess I, a lot of people um the image I guess female fighters like the perception people get that they're like these big angry mean rough people and um yeah i guess too a lot of people um look, like look me up on my athlete page and from there i get a lot of clients and stuff but a few people are a little bit standoffish at first because they think oh she's a fighter and you know she must be this big tough scary unapproachable person but then when they get to know me they're like wait well, hey, you're completely opposite which i am like yeah i'm the most approachable down-to-earth person ever and um um yeah i like my romantic comedies now, have you seen anything this year? Have you been able to get out of the house and get away from training and go watch them? Um, I, don't, I haven't actually watched as many movies, only because I've just, um, four weeks ago, I actually moved to Sydney. Mm-hmm. So before then, I was living four hours away. So I was having to do a lot of um, like driving down here and training for a week and then going home and being with the kids. For, like, yeah, so it was just a lot of tra- travelling and this and that. So I didn't really have much downtime. Um I would have normally watched, so it's Monday morning here, last night, Sunday night, we would have normally done like a family, um, like movie night at home, so, but my seven-year-old son actually decided to take over the TV and play the PlayStation instead, so uh, um, my daughter and I didn't get our romantic comedy. He kind of gets a little bit bored with them, being seven and a, and a male, <laughs> so he he won this time, but um, no, I think I'm, I can't really remember what the last one I've watched was. Um, I know there was one movie that I was laying on the lounge with my daughter, and, and she's 14, so she's getting into the romantic comedies now. And at one stage, uh, we were both sitting there and we're having a little cry in the movie. <laughs> so. Oh, that's great. Now, um, now I know your favorite you said was Sweet Home Alabama. Is there like a number two? Is there like yeah. a, do you have like a, a list? Like a, um, if you your go to. Oh, um, actually, P.S. I Love You. That's always a nice one. Um, what else is there? Ten Things I Hate About You, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Um, oh, yeah, I suppose those ones. I've got a whole heap at home that I sort I'm, of... I'm not going to lie. I've seen three of those four, so... <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm a softie, um, too. Yeah, there's... <laughs> no, they good. I don't mind an action movie, too, though. Um, mm-hmm. So it just depends on what mood I'm in, I guess. At the moment, no, um, I'm actually watching the um, Freedom um, Kingdom anime oh, okay. um, TV series. Somebody gave it to yeah, me. Yeah, um, that was, like, uh, it, so was George George Karakanian, I think, stars in that, or he's one of the the fighters that actually is acting yeah, in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just I started watching it. Somebody um, like got me onto it, and then because I watched one or two series, I'm like, oh, I may as well watch it now and. Um, yeah, something that I'm watching. Now, did you, since you like action, did you go and see Mad Max Fury Road? I mean, they filmed it in Australia. Yeah, I did. I actually took my son to watch that. He absolutely loved it. It was really good. <laughs> he, um, see, there my... was a few bits I wasn't sure about, so I actually put a status up on my Facebook, like, you know, is it age appropriate for a seven-year-old? And there were a few little bits in it, but, I mean, it was just so um, full-on that the, the few bits that were in it that weren't really appropriate, um... He just didn't even notice anyway. He's too busy looking at the cars and the motorbikes and the fire and things blowing up and crashing. And 
Yeah, a real boys movie. Uh, Awesome. All right, well, a couple last questions here. They're going to be, unless uh, Jerry has a few more, too. But uh, for me, you've talked about, you know, the improvements in your ground game and everything. But, you know, is that something you want to test against Marla Scudin? I mean, she's got one of the most feared ground games in the history of the the women's featherweight division. So I was just wondering, how do you feel about that? Um. I'm happy for it to honestly go wherever the fight takes me. Um, obviously, as a striker, I'd like it to stay standing, but I'm, I'm not going to let the fear of it going to the ground stop me from um, yeah letting it go to the ground. I think that's an that's an area that I think in my first few fights where I did lose, I was that tentative and worrying about the takedown, and you know for it, if it ended up on the ground, that it actually took my striking away. So yeah, I'm just going to go in there and, and fight my fight. Um, yeah, whatever she throws at me, like whatever she. Um, like you know, obviously comes back with, then I'll deal with that. Um, but yeah, I've just got to back my ability. Um, like obviously, yeah, I'm a, I'm a good striker, but and she's amazing on the ground. But I really have to trust the training that I've done. I've trained with some really good, um, you know, ground people this this camp. Oh, even leading up to the last camp too, because obviously knowing that that's my weakness, I've really been working hard on it. But I've also been working really hard on my strengths too. And um, yeah, I, I feel really really strong and and. Um, ready for this fight so no I don't think I'll be worried about where where it ends up oh excellent and uh, you you mentioned that you moved to Sydney and how much of a difference that was I want to know you know how much of a of a difference are you feeling from the training camp and just the rest of your life not having to worry about you know the family back home and, and all that stuff um yeah well for me when you're in fight camp I mean when I'm down here Sorry, when I was in Sydney before, I was getting amazing training, but then sitting there obviously missing my kids. Like, I mean, being a mum, they're my number one priority. So, um, And then when I'm back up at home and was with them, then I was missing my training. And so now to have everything here together, um, even just more so, I've got, you know, my six days of the week where I'm training, um, and then I get a proper rest day now rather than having to drive, you know, four hours or... Um, it, I'm, I'm getting a full... Like, this has been my first camp in like six years where I've actually been able to commit like for the full time with it and, and being fully focused as well. I'm not um, sort of lost with um, thoughts and and not feeling balanced. So, yeah, um, I guess it's probably a good thing that this camp out of all my camps has been the best one. So considering it is probably the biggest test um, in both like my boxing and MMA career so far. Well, that's uh, great news. And I guess uh, you heard this question before when you called in. You heard us ask it to Tony. But when you're picturing victory, I don't know how much into visualization techniques you are and everything, but when you're thinking about success against Marlos Kunin, what what do you see in your head? Um, My hand getting raised, yeah. And I guess just always I do a lot of visualization. Um, I do a lot of negative visualization, but then finishing with a positive. So obviously, like in the fight itself, you know, putting yourself in the worst possible position, um, you know, you know, worst possible scenario in the fight, but then always coming, you know, being able to switch that and then turn it into a positive and, and a betting stuff sort of thing. So, but, um, yeah, always finishing with, yeah, seeing, I guess for me, um, with a win over Marlos, it'll be huge for my career. So, um, you know, big doors opening up from there with obviously a shot at the title and, and just, you know, where I'm at at the moment. Um, like at the moment, I'm working 
you know, part-time hours and things like that. But it'll just open up a lot of sponsorship opportunities for me here in Australia. Uh, I already know that I've had, like, massive um, media. And then, obviously, attention paid to me over here at the moment because I am fighting, you know, in the number two in the world. Um, Marlis Conan is a, a well-known MMA fighter. So, um, yeah, I guess just to get that win over her um, will just change things a lot for me. So... Um, yeah, just visualising that in itself as well. Oh, and obviously okay. a few tears. I, I tend to cry. I get a few tears. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I just remember when I won my already... boxing world titles. I... <laughs> You're a self-admitted big softie, so it's okay. <laughs> now, uh, last thing before we let you go, did you have any uh, shout-outs to trainers, sponsors, anybody that's really helped you along the way? Uh, the floor is yours, Arlene. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I always give a shout out to my kids Kayla and Kian um, thank you for being the most amazing kids ever and always um, extremely understanding with my career and um, the time that it takes um, my trainers I've got um, Damien and the crew at Tahuna Fight Gym and then my boxing striking coach Mark Gretsch at Total Eye Boxing and Jab Out um, yeah both those guys obviously the amount of time that they put into me all my training partners um, all my sponsors Outlast Nutrition Triple X Gas Nutrition, Fair Texas Australia, Shogun. Um, I've got Jobs Park Bowling Club and Enriched Health and Physiotherapy and Polyair. Thanks heaps, guys, because obviously without sponsors, um, it just makes this game extremely hard. Um, you know, having to pay for everything yourself and, um, yeah, very, very much appreciative. And, um, yeah, hopefully you guys will be backing the number two featherweight in the world soon. Oh, definitely. And now we've got your... Uh We've got an in, so we'll be able to talk to you if you're champ. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for stopping by the show, Arlene. We really appreciate it. And best of luck against Marlos Conan at Bellator 141. No worries. Can't wait to see it now. Thanks, heaps, guys. Um, yeah, if anyone wants to follow me, too, on my athlete page, Facebook, Arlene Angerfist Blenko, and um, on Instagram, Arlene Angerfist. And actually just realized that, too, I didn't thank my manager, Chris Vender from MMAU Management. Thanks, Chris. Um, obviously, um, I wouldn't be even in Bellator and have these career opportunities if it wasn't for him. So, um, oh, I forgot you didn't thank you before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, thank you so much for stopping by the show, Arlene, and best of luck against Marlus. And you have a terrific rest of your day. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. All right thank you. Bye. All right, that was Arlene Blenko stopping by the verbal submission all the way from Australia. It's only 9 a.m. over there, Jerry. She is a trooper. She is. Holy shit. Hopefully she you, pulls off that win. You a fan? I am, yeah. She was great, man. She was yeah, great. I, not, I, not, not the typical uh, female fighter that we've had. Before. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't know what to expect because uh, I did most of my research for the Tony Martin interview, and then with Arlene, I didn't have it quite as much to go on because there's not quite as much out there yet. So that was that was kind of a went in with completely no expectations and I was very, very pleasantly satisfied. So Tony really, Sims, right? Yeah, what did I say? Tony Martin. Oh <laughs> whoops. At least I didn't say Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I meant Tony Sims. Yeah. So all right, well, that's it for the interviews for today. Is there anything you want to go over? Anything else that's been going on in the world of uh, mixed martial arts or not mixed martial arts? Because Well, I, 
I, I want to ask you your take on the whole Josh Thompson UFC. Well, Dana's saying we didn't want him. We'd never made him an offer, and he's saying that, uh, well, they did, and uh, he, oh, he chose more. I, I, uh, that's definitely Dana playing the PR game. He doesn't want to go out there and publicly admit that they got outbid for a fighter because that just makes them look bad. But you know what it is? Uh, Josh Thompson seems like he's on a bit of a decline. I mean, I don't think that Josh Thompson from, like, that was the strike force champion would lose to Tony Ferguson, although Tony Tony has improved a lot. And, you know, he he lost before that as well to um, Bobby Green. Bobby Green. So yeah, but that was a close one. I mean, yeah, I, that I was a close it. fight and it wasn't a very entertaining fight, but I mean it was it could have gone either way. So he goes out there and, and he's lost those two fights and I just don't think that he is an elite level lightweight anymore, and I don't think UFC wanted to pay him like an elite level lightweight. So I think they lowballed him, and Strike Force bid higher, and UFC didn't want to match it. So they went, "All right, you're out of here. We'll let you go," because uh, normally UFC would have a matching period that they would enforce, and they didn't do it. So even for people that contracts expire, so I think uh, that's that's what happened there, and. You know what? That's that's healthy for MMA. That there's another option for these guys to go to that doesn't have a Reebok deal that's limiting sponsor opportunities that um, that can pay that has a big backing from Viacom. So I think I think it's a great thing. You know, just look what happened with Gilbert Melendez. I mean, I know that he's been a, a pretty big disappointment as well, but he had a, a period there where after the loss to, to Benson Henderson that Bellator said they signed him. And then UFC's like, no, 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 we're going to pay him. And then he's going to get to do all these things. He's going to get to coach the ultimate fighter against uh, Anthony Pettis. And he's going to get a title shot. And he's going to get, you know, uh, pay-per-view points and all this stuff. And, you know, that just forced the UFC to actually pony up for a fighter. So the fact that Bellator's out there trying to pick up these UFC free agents is a good thing. It means that there is a little bit of competition, that these guys can get a little bit of a higher paycheck. Because this is where capitalism is great. Because when they start bidding wars for fighters, the only thing that that benefits is the fighters. They still need that, like, one or two top... And I, and I know people are going to say, well, Phil Davis was a top five. But you know what? He kind of fizzled against the, the, the top guys there. Yeah. He, he, not not that he got dominated. It's just he didn't perform. You know, he had mm-hmm. he had terrible outings. He just didn't do much. Um, but I, you know, I want like an Anthony Pettis, uh, and you know, it's going to be hard for that to happen. But like an Anthony Pettis or uh, or even like a Rory McDonald, like no, these, I agree. These guys that are these guys that are in their prime to jump. And, but on the other hand, it's going to be tough for those guys to jump because I'm sure the UFC does everything possible to take care of them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not on the Reebok deal, but on the back end. Oh yeah, I completely agree. Now, uh, I think that I think it's a stepping stone, though. You know, signing somebody like Phil Davis, who is in his prime right now, is is definitely a good start. It's. It's more that they signed him because the UFC didn't feel he was worth a lot of money because of his fighting style. So I think that's one where you know Bellator kind of stole one. And UFC is in need of good light heavyweights. 
So I was really surprised that UFC let him go. They've only got like 22, 23 heavyweights, light heavyweights on their roster. So the fact that they let a guy go that was in the top 10 is really surprising to me. But I think that it's a start that they would uh, go for a guy like Josh Thompson right as his deal expires. So maybe there's going to be some guys that, you know, are come out and make a huge splash in the UFC in their first, like, four-fight contract that they sign. And when that fourth fight finishes, you know, Bellator is going to be out there trying to swoop them up. So that's what I'm hoping happens. Just I just want a little bit more competitiveness between these promotions. I, I, I don't want a monopoly I, because that just gives all the power and the negotiating power to the UFC, and then the fighters just get penalized. And then the cards and the fans get penalized because then yeah, they exactly. even throw up just a bunch of guys that nobody cares about. And, and you know, I think that they, they make a big mistake in not doing these super fights when guys are at the top of their game. Like, just think about Anderson Silva versus GSP when they were dominating their division. That's a fight that should have happened as soon as one of them gave uh, an indication that he was up for it, you know? And then, well, they, they got to clean out their division. This is Dana going, they got to clean their division out. They got to clean their... They they all had already done that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, once you put Josh Koscheck in the rotation uh, and in line for a title uh, shot at 175 uh, or 170, you know, I think you've pretty much cleaned out the division. Uh it just it, I feel like Bellator would do that. I mean, they gave us that circus fight of Tito versus uh, Shlomenko, which was great. You know, there was a lot of uh, build-up and buzz behind that fight. The, the, the middleweight champ versus uh, moving up to fight Tito Ortiz. That was fun, man. It didn't last mm-hmm. long, but the anticipation was great. And I think that's what they failed to do now. It's just they're putting all these cards just to get the money uh, and to fill airtime, and it's... Oh, it's just boring. So I'm, yeah. Uh, you know, ideally you'd, you'd love to see cross promotion, but mm-hmm. uh, you know we got to see these guys uh, hopefully just kick Dana in the nuts and say screw you, we're going to go uh, fight for Scott Coker. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. And I would like to see Bellator sign more of the the Phil Davises than the Josh Thompsons and Josh Kostcheks and Tito Ortizes and the Kimbos or the well, Ken you know, Dan Henderson is next. <laughs> He might. He's, he's still fights. got a couple fights, I think. He's got two, and then he's done. And then you got to think that he's probably going to go make uh, a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, make some more money with Bellator. Because even he's 40, what, 44? Yeah. And you figure by the time he's done, he's got a fight in November with Vitor. So it'll be maybe around 45. Uh, you could still put him in there against some of the young guns and... and either have him be a stepping stone or, or just, you know, continue to be a great storyline. Mm-hmm, definitely. So we'll see how it plays out, but I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I'll throw that out there. About uh, Bellator? Yeah. Why cautiously? Well, you just never know. I mean, somebody could pull the rug out from under them and cut their funding, somebody at Viacom that, doesn't like MMA or something. You never know with the, you know, those big corporations. Yeah, well, you, you would hope Showtime would step back in and 
I'm, I'm, they, they keep running replays of events from three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll see. But I, I think it'll be all right. All right. Is there anything else going on in the world of anything, like any articles or anything you want our listeners to check out, Jerry? What'd you say? Sorry, you cut out. I, I said Ray Donovan on Showtime at nine o'clock. Watch it; it's a great show. I just started watching that show, and it's amazing. I'm on like the oh. seventh episode of season one. Oh, it's a great show, man! Yeah. So it only gets. I mean, better. I'm. It doesn't. I'm sure it doesn't hurt that the guy's from Boston. Well, I, I, initially it kind of annoyed me because I uh. live here, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the Boston accent, but uh, but I got over it afterwards. <laughs> well, yeah, I I am really enjoying it. It's definitely been my go-to uh show now that a bunch of other stuff just recently uh ended for the season. So, I I'm uh, spoiler, but at the end of the first season he does die, so I'm going to kill you. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they can call it Ray Donovan if he dies. <laughs> they probably call it something else. All right. Um and I guess for me, hmm, oh all right, if we're on the recommending shows, uh, my one of my favorite shows just started up its second season after like a year and a half, Rick and Morty. I don't know if you're into cartoons, but this is the best cartoon show on the planet. It's better than The Simpsons, better than Family Guy, better than South Park. It is amazing. Like, just as, just as childish and immature at times as those, except way smarter, and it's made by... Uh, the guy, one of the guys, co-creators, is the one that founded a community, the TV series on NBC. And then another guy that's just a complete whack job is his uh, co-creator. And, Jerry, you would love this show. So if you haven't seen it, I highly, highly recommend it. I haven't even heard of it. So is, yeah, is Rick and Morty. Long... It is, and it, it is like the, the number one rated show on Adult Swim uh, Cartoon Network or whatever. Like it, Cartoon its season finale got like, several million viewers and then after two episodes of season two it's already been renewed for a third season because they're already getting more viewers now than they got for the season finale so get on the bandwagon jerry i will i will definitely check it out because along the uh like uh you know south park and family guy like crude and just oh over the top and like it's kind of like the um it's kind of like the relationship between Marty and Doc in Back to the Future. <laughs> because Rick is the Doc, he's like the crazy mad scientist, and Morty is his grandson that he takes on his adventures. And they have a complete open world to whatever the hell they want to do, basically, because of all the crazy science fiction things they can think of. So I highly, highly recommend it, Jerry. You will love it. I, will watch I want you to watch an episode and then tell me what you think of it. Afterwards. I will, absolutely. I'm, I'm in. I'm looking it up right now. Okay, <laughs> I'm telling like, you. He looks like Doc is, from... Uh, yeah, from, uh, it's hilarious. And Rick is just, you know, blacked out drunk half the time, and he burps like when he talks. It's hilarious. Okay, well, that is going to be our recommendations for the day. And uh, anyway, huge shout-out to our guest from today's show, uh, Tony Sims and Arlene Blenko 
both competing in the upcoming Bellator 141 and UFC Fight Night 74 events. And then uh, we'll be back. Actually, next week we will not be back because that is going to be the exact same time as UFC Fight Night 74 because they're having it on a Sunday for some reason. So we'll be back in two weeks. So make sure to check us out in two weeks, which is going to be Sunday, August 30th, 2015. So we'll see you then, same time, same place. And have a terrific rest of your day. And I guess since uh, Richard can't do it, uh, Jerry, what time is it? Kurt Angle time. Kurt Angle time, baby.